Hi everyone, and welcome back to Frequent Freed Miles. It's been a while since I have recorded an episode. Um, Nine months, actually, since my last episode about my trip to Mexico last year. Um, And I just want to give a little shout out to my friend Paula, because Paula, over the past nine months, on the occasion, has asked when... I was going to record some more episodes. So, Paula, here we go. More episodes coming your way. So, the biggest change in my life that occurred within the past nine months is that I gave birth to a... (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, it's just every time I keep saying nine months, I keep thinking of pregnancy. Anywho, no, the biggest change that has happened is that I no longer work at the hostel. Um, And so I wanted to use this episode uh, to debrief on my experience at the hostel because I worked there for roughly a year and a half and I sort of just wanted to dive into not only why did I leave the hostel but how did I even end up there in the first place and how did I end up there for as long as I did um and I apologize because I don't really know how to talk about this, especially with this podcast being uh, an open forum. I don't know who could be listening. Uh, So this is going to be sort of the watered down version of what what was going on at the hostel. So if you want the full unedited version, you will just have to fly down to see me and I will go into full detail over yummy mojitos. So let's get to it. I started out at the hostel through their work exchange volunteer program. So the hostel essentially does not ever hire anyone for a paid position unless that person has been through the work exchange program first. So for the first five months that I was at the hostel, I was actually a volunteer and I was not getting paid. But for me, that didn't matter for a number of reasons. I was receiving free accommodation. I was receiving free food. I got to live a 10 minute walk from the beach. My specific position was the world's easiest position in the world. I, oh, I just realized how redundant that sounded. (laughs) Anyways, um, my position was super easy. All I had to do was engage the guests, make sure everyone was having a fun time at the hostel. So I was sort of like the party Ah, what's the word? Vibe creator, party enthusiast, get the party started at the hostel. I was like the hype woman of the hostel. So each evening, there would be 
some type of social event that they wanted us to set up, whether it was karaoke night, a beer pong tournament, a flip cup tournament, um, to engage the guests. If there weren't enough guests or if people weren't in the mood to do that, then all I really had to do was just chat with them. I could drink with them. And then when my shift ended, I would go out and party with them. So a typical day in my life during those first five months at the hostel usually looked something like this. I would wake up in the morning, have breakfast, go to the beach with some guests that I had met and befriended. Then I'd have to come back to the hostel in time for my afternoon slash evening shift of partying and hanging out with guests. And then when my shift ended, I would go out and continue to party with guests at bars and clubs. Um, So as you can see, it was the perfect escapism position. I did not have to work in an office. I didn't have any responsibilities. I just had to show up every day. And and, um, yeah, so that is sort of what initially attracted me to the hostel. But very early on, there were bright red warning flags all over that were screaming, there are problems with this hostel. And I chose to ignore them for a very, very long time. For starters, the work exchange volunteer program was a bit different than your typical international hostel work exchange. Usually, A work exchange program requires that you work a couple of hours a day for a couple of days a week in exchange for free room and board. At this hostel, the work exchange program required that you worked eight hours a day for six to seven days a week for six months. And after six months, uh, if management liked you, they would ask you to stay and then you would begin to get paid as an employee. Um, But it was also just as normal uh, after six months for people to decide, well, this was a good experience. I'm going to leave and move on. Um, And I fully agreed to this No, this wasn't like I I wasn't tricked into anything. I was fully aware of all this before joining. Um, But in hindsight, (laughs) I should have never agreed to that. That is absolutely ridiculous. And I remember there were so many guests. Some of them might be listening right now. Um, who had conversations with me about how insane this was. So many people were telling me, Anna Fried, you could volunteer at a much better hostel in Mexico, Thailand, like some, any other destination, work a fourth as many hours as you're working now and still get the same benefits. But for me, I was just 
happy to be near the beach and not have to pay rent. And I wasn't really looking at the bigger picture of what was going on, which was exploitation. Even though I fully agreed to the terms and conditions, this program shouldn't have ever existed. Um, and I was actually, I've, I found out through the grapevine very recently that uh, the program does not exist anymore, um, which is infuriating to hear, but I'm also really, really relieved that no one else will be able to join that program. So that was sort of one red flag. Another thing about the hostel, which was just so strange and icky, everything about the hostel was so like hypersexualized from the name to the advertisement. Oh my gosh. When my mom first Googled the hostel, she. <laughs> She like freaked out and was like, Annafried, like what what are you doing? Where are you working? Because if you go on the hostel website, the slogan literally says book today, hook up tomorrow. And the promotional video for the hostel is it's it's like this lie. It's not even filmed at the hostel. It's this really tacky pool party. Um, I think the video was probably filmed in like the early 2000s or something. And the hostel, it just boasts of like, oh, you hottest hostel in the area. We'll take you to all the hot pool parties, meet hot people. Just a lot of emphasis on like, you're coming here to like meet people, hook up with people, just super sexualized. And then on the website, as you're scrolling through and you're looking at all of the different rooms, which, by the way, the photos on the website, they were taken back when the rooms were first uh, designed, which I think was at least a decade ago. They look nothing like they do on the website. Total false advertisement. But we were supposed to just go along with it. Anyways, when you're looking at the different kinds of rooms, in the photos, they have these like girls in bikinis like posing by the beds and everything it was just so weird um and then within this volunteer program um some of the oh man i don't even know how to talk about this so some of the people who would join the volunteer program. There, uh, I don't know how to say this. It's just so freaking creepy and weird. Um, so like my job, like I had a really like easy job in the beginning. I would just like chill with the guests outside in the beer garden. Um, you know, I would wear the hostel t-shirt or tank top that they provided me. Um, but my position actually, like, 
and I didn't find this out until I got there. Um, but my position, anyone who worked in my department who was a female was actually supposed to work their shifts wearing a bikini, which was so weird because this isn't a hostel that's right on the beach and it would make sense you know if you were at the beach you just got off the beach the hostel's right there that is an environment that makes more sense but this hostel is a 15 minute walk from the beach and so it just seems so just to me it just seems so weird and out of place and forced like really really trying to go for this hooters of hostels vibe um and so i mean i never i was i never was asked like or required or whatever to wear a bikini top um and i slowly began to realize that management sort of they would see what they could get away with with you so with me i made it very clear from the beginning like sorry, I'm absolutely not working in a bikini top. Like, I will leave today. And so they said, no problem. Wear whatever you feel comfortable in. So I would just wear, like, T-shirt, shorts, whatever. But for certain girls who joined the hostel, they, um, you know, they would wear the bikini tops. They had no problem with it, you know, to each their own. Um, and I remember there, I remember there was a specific conversation I had once with someone from management. And this person was asking and inquiring about how the new volunteers were doing. How were they getting along? And I said, oh, they're doing fine. And this person from management asked, are, there, are they wearing their bikini tops? <laughs> Which is so weird for me to say. I'm like, yeah, they're wearing their bikini tops. And then this person from management asked, and are they entertaining everyone? Like, are the boys entertained? like weird and creepy and sad because it slowly dawned on me that the mentality behind all of this was okay if we tell employees that they have to wear bikini tops at work and they agree and I wonder what else they'll do without us even having to tell them to do it we can just discreetly hint that we would the business would benefit from other things being done so i'm just gonna no i'm gonna stop there because i I don't i don't really want to speak more on it um but it was just it was it was really sad to see what was going on with with some of these girls and you know this 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 hostel it everyone is attracted to this hostel for different reasons i explained earlier my reasons um you know a lot of 
people who who are lost or you know emotionally unstable they were also attracted to this job um people with criminal backgrounds people who had done jail time they were attracted to this job because although in order to be a volunteer there's a quote-unquote background check i'm pretty sure that unless you've murdered someone you'll clear the background check um yeah and there definitely was a, a history of just I'm going uh, to to cover my ass. I'm going to say that this is all hearsay. But there, I had heard of staff in the past who were drug dealers, like dealing drugs to the guests and staff who had, uh, they had slipped things in drinks that female guests were drinking. And... There's other you know, staff who had stolen from the hostel cash register. Just like really, really crazy stuff. But again, all hearsay. I have no proof. Um, but you know what they say. When there's smoke, there's fire, usually. So all of these things always existed the whole time that I worked at the hostel, even when things were really good, quote unquote. Um, but, and some of you are probably thinking like, how, like how, how is that not enough for you to leave? And honestly, I don't know. I'll never make that mistake again. Um, so for me, I guess the final straws, plural, um, occurred within the last three months that I worked at the hostel. Um, so I guess to rewind a little bit, the hostel closed for three months in 2020. And when it reopened in June 2020, um, from then on, it never was the same as it was before COVID. Um, and the biggest change was our clientele. You know, gone were the international, cultured, intelligent travelers. And the ones that replaced them were very much, um, oh, how do I put it? Well, they definitely weren't travelers. They were more like people who were using the pandemic as their opportunity to to move. And so they were relocating from other parts of the country. Um, and in a hostel, a short-term traveler behaves very differently than someone who is staying at the hostel as an in-between uh, while looking for an apartment. So that brought kind of a weird energy. Uh, we had a lot of people who were staying at the hostel who were living off unemployment, not working at all, spending all their unemployment on booze and drugs. And they were not tourists, so they did not leave the hostel during the day to explore the city. 
they stayed at the hostel and drank all day in the beer garden. And so it really did begin to take on like a homeless shelter vibe um, (laughs) in the beer garden. Um, And so this energy kept up like and it only it it intensified the last couple of months that I was there Um, to the point where um, a lot of like local drug dealers, they started seeing this beer garden as a prime target to sell drugs. So drug dealers started coming by, selling drugs. Um, and then drug dealers, they, they sort of like started taking over the place. Like there would be situations where we as staff would try to have guests removed from the hostel um, because they hadn't paid for their room in a couple of days. Um, And whenever we'd try to do that, the guests would like get like they would be friends with the drug dealers and the drug dealers would try to intimidate the staff and let my boy stay. And oh, my God. God, it was just (laughs) so stupid. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, And actually, on my second to last day at the hostel, um, a guy who had stayed at the hostel for a couple of months, and then he left and he got a job, which was becoming a drug dealer. Uh, He then came back. And he was hanging out in our beer garden and he was friends with one of the staff. So he takes out like a big bag of weed and starts rolling up. And a staff member says like, oh, sorry, man, like you can't do that. We're really trying to crack down here on drug usage on the property. And um, they end up getting into a fight uh, and they had to be broken up. And so my staff, the staff member, he leaves the hostel to go for a walk to cool off after the fight. He was going to go buy some cigarettes at the corner store. And this psycho drug dealer, like, jumps out of the... He somehow, like, got up and, like, went the opposite way jumps out of the bushes and tries actually successfully attacks my coworker with like a metal pipe or something and i was on my way out of the hostel to go and train at my new job and i'm heading out and my coworker is like limping back to the hostel and all he could get out was he attacked me. So then I had to reschedule my training for my new job to call the police and the ambulance to take my coworker to the hospital because he had been attacked by some stupid ass guy. <laughs> and I'm I'm laughing because I I'm thinking back on all this and I cannot believe at one point this was actually like my life and it was like kind of normal for me i just can't believe this but um yeah and that that was my second to last day at the hostel and i just remember thinking like 
if this isn't a sign for me to leave, like, I don't know what will be. Um, and then on top of all of this, I had to deal with uh, a manager who in the beginning um, wasn't an issue for me at all, but it seemed that the higher I rose within the hostel and the more money I started to get paid, um, the more this manager began to dislike me. Um, And the dislike turned racist very quickly. Uh, He did a lot of things that absolutely are probably like illegal um, or at the very least unethical. Uh, He encouraged me to ask for a raise from the head of management. And after I did and I got my raise, he then told all of my coworkers um, I don't know why Anna Free got a raise. She's really lazy. She doesn't do anything. And I'm not, I am being completely honest when I say, like, that job is easy. It, I, I did the job. So, the, like, I, <laughs> I just, there, there's really no possible way to be lazy at that job because the job itself is lazy. Like, you don't need to do much. Um, and so even after I left, actually, I was still hearing through people that still worked at the hostel um, that he was openly making statements saying that he would never, ever hire a black person ever to work at the hostel again because of me. He said I was such a big issue, blah, blah, blah. And the the thing is, is like, I am not a confrontational person. And him and I never got into like any type of a yelling match or anything like that. So I really don't understand why he had all this in him. Oh, yeah, well, I do because he's racist. But other than that, like, I don't understand really why he had all this animosity towards me. The only thing I could think of, and I I don't even want to sound like, oh, he's a hater. But that's what everyone else said is probably the only reason. Um. I don't know if my pay grade was coming dangerously close to his pay grade and he didn't like it or he felt threatened or I'm not really sure what it was, but um, it was really strange behavior, um, especially when I found out that he's like 57 or something like that, like grow up, (laughs) you look stupid, Um, so yeah. When I look back on my experience with the hostel, it has taken me a long time to be able to hold multiple opinions about the hostel in my head at the same time. Because I cannot view my experience as 100% negative because it was not 100% negative. There were some really amazing aspects of the hostel. Most importantly, the connections that I made there. And it took me a really long time to be able to acknowledge the hostel was a toxic place. 
and the hostel had some good qualities and benefits. Um, and so I, I can't deny either one. And I've been working on on that. My friend Liz, when I told her the unfiltered version of my experience at the hostel, um, and I told her that I was really struggling with um, seeing the hostel in any positive light, even though there were positives to it, she told me it was perfectly normal um, and that all th- these things are true. So all these things are true. The hostel is toxic. That's true. I had some fantastic times at the hostel. That's true. All of these statements can be true at the same time. 